Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. It's the Boston Red Sox 6, the Cleveland Guardians 3. I'm Davey Paris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And yeah, the Guardians come home and they lose the first of the homestand to the Boston Red Sox. It sucks. It hurts. But there's a lot to talk about in this one. There were some great plays on both sides. So let's get into it. Let's talk this game. We also have another email from our friend Chris in New Jersey. If you want to email into the show, it doesn't just have to be Chris in New Jersey. There's a lot of you morning people out there. And if you want to email in your questions, your thoughts to the show, it's clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Pretty easy. If you're sitting there, bored at work, you got a Guardian's question, shoot me an email, clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Chris, we are going to get to your questions after we talk about this game. So, yeah, full disclosure, uh, I went out and I enjoyed Friday night. I got out on the lake. If, you know, if you're not a native Clevelander, if you're one of those morning people around the world that, uh, you know, just picked up the Guardians as their team, uh, Lake Erie can be pretty special on a summer night. And, uh, we went out, enjoyed the lake, got a beautiful sunset out there. Uh, Cleveland can be quite magical during the summertime. And uh, so, yeah, so full disclosure, I did not get to really watch this game. But you know me. I've done my research. I've done my homework. I've studied the highlights. I had it on the radio as much as I could. And uh, I am ready to talk about this game. And the top storyline for me in this game all right, maybe it's not the top storyline, but it's the thing I'm just going to kick off the show with. It's the thing that's fresh on my mind, and it's Rafael Devers versus Jose Ramirez. These guys are battling for, right now, they're battling for the starting third base spot on the American League All-Star team. They'll both be on the All-Star team, but they're start, you know, battling for that starting spot. It's a sign of respect to get that starting spot on the team. We're trying to do our part. We're trying to vote for them. Uh, so, yeah, so there's that. And eventually, they're probably going to be battling for MVP this season. Like, both of these guys are having pretty killer seasons. Uh, they they are going to be up there uh, battling for MVP when it's all said and done. And they're battling tonight. They were both put up in some high-leverage situations with men on base. And unfortunately, it's Devers that delivered the extra base hits tonight. Two extra base hits for him, an RBI and a run scored on his uh, solo home run. Um, but yeah, he delivers two extra base hits. Jose Ramirez ah, goes one for five. He's on base with a lot of guys on base. And unfortunately, Devers doesn't leave a single guy on base. Ramirez leaves six guys on base throughout this game. That's That hurts a little bit. That really does. Now, looking at their career numbers, I thought this was interesting. Devers kills the Guardians. I mean, destroys the Guardians. If you take away the interleague play teams, which he also destroys interleague play, by the way, uh, he has his best OPS against any American League team against the Cleveland Guardians. In, in plenty of games, 23 games, it's a 1.097 OPS against the Cleveland franchise. That's incredible. The only other American League team that's over 1,000 OPS is the Seattle Mariners, who he's also played 30 times. It's a good sample size. He's at a 1.036. Now, he's destroying 
uh, interleague play. The Reds, Dodgers, Nationals, Marlins, Rockies, uh, and Phillies are all over 1,000 OPS against them. So against interleague play, just in general, he's at a 981 OPS. But yeah, he absolutely crushes the Guardians outside of uh, his own division, outside of the AL East, because obviously he plays those teams a lot. He's got the most home runs against us and Seattle, nine home runs apiece. Uh, so yeah, he absolutely kills us. Now, Jose Ramirez on the other side does not kill the Red Sox. In fact, the Red Sox are like in the bottom third teams of his opponent's splits when it comes to OPS. Only a 760 OPS against the Boston Red Sox. Who Jose Ramirez does crush is the New York Yankees. Again, Take away those interleague play teams because, yeah, he's got a 1.411 OPS in four games against the Washington Nationals. So that's one crazy series or maybe two crazy home and away split series. But he's got a 1.072 OPS against the New York Yankees. So Devers destroys the Guardians. Ramirez not can't return the favor against the Red Sox, does destroy the Yankees uh, in the AL East. So yeah, I thought that's, you know, that's a big storyline in this game. These two guys who are definitely the cream of the crop, the elite of the elite when it comes to third base play in the American League. And Devers Devers wins on this night. I think Devers had something with Cal Quantrill where Quantrill had struck him out looking and Devers like stared him down. I just saw this on Twitter. Somebody posted that clip that Devers didn't forget. And no, Devers didn't forget. He he had himself a good game in this one. Um, so, yeah. So, the other thing about Devers is uh, he hit balls that were down and in. Both of his big extra base hits. Uh, the double was down and in. The, um, the home run that he hit was down off the plate. It was a cutter from Cal Quantrill. It was off the plate. Uh, the other one was a two-seamer off of Quantrill, the double. Uh, both of these pitches are down and in, and that's not necessarily Devers' nitro zone. He does much better with pitches down and away. Many more hard-hit balls down and away. Obviously, the middle of the plate is going to be his best. But his slugging percentage is better down and away. He slugs decent down and in. Uh, he slugged, he's got a good slugging percentage down and in. It's just a little bit better down and away. Either way, he likes the ball down. And he made the Guardians pay in this game. All right, so uh, let's get into it. By the way, that was a homer on an 0-2 pitch. That was off the plate. He didn't have to swing at this one. And he hammers it for a home run. So I don't know, something, maybe he was watching film, knew Quantrill was going to try to come in there on him. He was completely ready for that. Uh, All right, so let's get into some of the other storylines in this game. And unfortunately, uh, you know, the Guardians bullpen does implode a little bit. Quantrill gives them a good start. Uh, Pavetta and Quantrill, frankly, both have pretty decent starts. Somehow Pavetta spreads around nine hits in this one. Pavetta was hard hit one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven times. And uh, gave up nine hits and still lasts seven innings, only two runs, no walks, four strikeouts, and only... Uh, a solo home run given up on 98 pitches. On the other side, Quantrill goes five innings, gives up five hits, only two runs, two walks, uh, that does hurt, four strikeouts, and also a, a home run given up. But it's Brian Shaw. It's Brian Shaw that implodes. The Guardians' bullpen lets them down late. Um, 
Yeah, Shaw struggles. Johan Ramirez goes two innings at the end of this game. Once again, Francona makes the decision to save bullpen arms and leaves Johan Ramirez out there. Uh, I believe one of those runs credited to Shaw. Was that an inherited runner? Uh, no, because I guess Ghost would have gotten out of the inning. Um, yeah, Johan Ramirez gives up uh, three hits over two innings. A run, a walk, and a strikeout. This is the guy we like traded for earlier in the season from Seattle, and then we stashed him down in Triple A. Castro goes back down before this game to Triple A, and they bring up Johan Ramirez for some bullpen relief, I guess. And he gives them the two innings at the end of this game. When I mean, it's a five-two game at that point. It's still technically a save situation, and he runs them back out there for the ninth inning. I don't know, that feels like giving up a little bit on the game by running Johan Ramirez out there for two innings. I'm I'm not sure what he's trying to accomplish there with the bullpen. But Shaw had one of those games. Shaw had one of those games in the seventh inning where he absolutely gets lit up. Uh, he walks Ref Snyder to start the inning and then immediately gives up a home run to Christian Arroyo. Do you remember Christian Arroyo? You know, on uh, the Selby is Godcast podcast, they play a game at the end of the show called Random Indian of the Day. I guess it'd be Random Cleveland Franchise Player of the Day at this point. And uh, yeah, where they pick out guys that had like 30 appearances, pitching appearances in one random season of relief. Or, you know, they had maybe 25 at-bats in the 03 season. Christian Arroyo would be a great random guardian of the day because, yeah, Talk about having a cup of coffee with a team. He was barely here. We got him. He was a throw-in when we got some uh, bullpen relief from Tampa Bay uh, when we made that trade. And then he he stuck around for a little bit in the minors, finally got like a quick shot, uh, but then was gone. And if I remember correctly, did he get injured? I feel like he got injured pretty quickly, quickly or he was coming off an injury when we got him. Either way, he barely sticks around. And now he's in Boston and apparently plays great. You know, apparently had a revenge game against the Guardians, who he was barely with us. He was with Tampa Bay for a long time. Uh, so, yeah, so he absolutely uh, destroys us. I mean, he goes uh, he goes three for four at the bottom of this lineup with three RBIs uh, in the nine hole. Man, that's brutal, including this two-run home run in the seventh inning off of Brian Shaw. And frankly, uh, frankly, Shaw kind of uh, just gives him a meaty cutter right here. If we go over to the Illustrator, and I've got the batter's view up. Uh, yeah, Shaw leaves him just a meaty cutter. I'm talking at the letters, middle of the plate. Uh, it's right there, and he hits at 104.1 mile per hour exit velocity just over the wall in left center field. So, uh, yeah, Shaw missing badly with that one. Uh, and just giving him a nice, meaty pitch to hit right there. So, yeah, that seventh inning really gets away from Shaw. I mean, it's it was a game. It was a 2-2 game. Uh, you know, the Guardians were definitely in this thing. They were getting guys on base. They just couldn't get them in. And then they go on to tack on two more insurance runs. That hurts. Um, so, yeah, so that's the... Uh, that's the Red Sox offense right there. A Verdugo right with more doubles. Verdugo was doubling like crazy. After J.D. Martinez singles, Verdugo doubles and brings Martinez all the way around from first. 
I believe this one in the seventh is the one that Stephen Kwan dives for. Um, yeah, Verdugo uh, going in left field. He does it twice on this game. Twice on this game, he doubles down the left field line. And it brings J.D. Martinez in. Uh, you know, Quan gave it 100%, but just could not make the same diving catch that he was able to make in Colorado. So that hurts. That one goes all to the wall. And yeah, when you leave your feet, it's a gamble. When you leave your feet, it's absolutely a gamble. Quan gambles and loses this time. And uh, it brings in another run to score another insurance run for the Red Sox. And then they're able to tack on that one more in the uh, in the ninth inning. Uh, this time, Ref Snyder with a double that brings in Trevor Story to score. So yeah, they were hammering the extra base hits against us. It seemed like they were running free on the base pass. They were hammering balls into the corner against us. Uh, the Red Sox really did a good job. I gotta give them credit. The Red Sox did a good job of tacking on those insurance runs, uh, and it was helpful because the Guardians had something going in the ninth inning. All right, the Guardians had some things going a couple of times throughout this game. All right, and this is the Guardians offense wrapped up in a nutshell. So, Stephen Kwan and Ahmed Rosario back-to-back singles to kick off the game. Can you ask for a better start? After Quantrill shuts them down 1-2-3 in the first inning, we get back-to-back singles in the first, and that brings up Jose Ramirez, and he pops out. He pops out with those runners on first and second, and uh, Naylor after him with line out at 111.4 mile per hour exit velocity, a 760 expected batting average at the 16 degree launch angle. But the center fielder Duran runs it down. Quan's able to tag and go to third, but Gonzalez, after a very long at bat, a very long battle, would finally strike out to a curveball. And uh, I mean, uh, Pavetta did not have many swings and miss on the day. His whiff rate is really low, and uh, he got more called strikes, but he gets Gonzalez swinging strike here to end that first inning. So that hurts. That really hurts not being able to deliver in that first inning. And while we're talking about Jose Ramirez hitting with guys on base, I'm going to jump all the way to the ninth inning. We'll talk about what else happened in this game. In the ninth inning, you get back-to-back singles again to kick off the inning. Reyes at 106.5 mile per hour exit velocity singles. Jimenez singles right behind him. Palacios would strike out. I'm guessing that's pinch hitting in the catcher position right there. Yes, it is pinch hitting for hedges. Uh, that hurts. That hurts. We, we wanted to see those lefties off the bench get a chance to pinch hit. Sucks that he couldn't get the job done. Miles Straw gets hit by the pitch, and we load the bases for Stephen Kwan. Kwan, who had a chance in the ninth inning to end that series in Minnesota, gets another chance in a ninth inning. This time down four, but he's getting a chance with the bases loaded, and he comes through with a single up the middle, 96.4 mile per hour exit velocity. Kwan did a good job of everything he hit in this game was middle of the plate. Both of his singles in this game were pitches that came into the middle of the plate right at the belt for him. It's a good job by Stephen Kwan of not wasting those pitches, right? We've seen times where guys will foul off those pitches and waste those opportunities. He did not. If you gave him a pitch to hit on the day, he was hit lining it. So he shoots it up the middle. One run comes in. They know they need a lot more. Unfortunately, Ahmed Rosario would strike out behind him. And that brings up Jose Ramirez, who ends up grounding out deep to second base, deep to Trevor Story in that right field hole, and that ends the game. So once again, with the bases loaded, Jose Ramirez has a chance in this game. And like we said, he left six guys on base in this game. Now, here's the weird thing about Jose Ramirez. He's on a 13-game hitting streak, going all the way back to the end of the Texas series. 
So he's still hitting plenty of baseballs in the month of June. The RBIs haven't been there. He hasn't had an RBI since the first game in the Rockies series. Now, I know he took some days off in, uh, in L.A., but it's still weird. The guy who's been the best RBI man in all of baseball has gone now one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games without an RBI. I'm starting to get, I'm not starting to get worried about Jose Ramirez, but it's just, you know, it's a little bit strange. We don't expect to see this from Jose Ramirez. I mean, throughout the month of April and May, it seemed like he was getting an RBI every other day. And uh, the RBIs just aren't coming. I mean, he had 28 RBIs in the month of April. 23 RBIs in the month of May. He's only at 11 right now for the month of June. Now, there's still, you know, a couple of games left in this month. There's time to get those numbers up there. But, yeah, I don't see him. He might not get the 20 RBIs this month. So, he is. uh, The RBI hits just have not been there. With hitting with runners on base, just, uh, I don't know. Is he putting too much pressure on himself right now? You know, is is the it's just the grind of the season? Is that thumb bothering him still? He got hit on the hand again, remember, in Minnesota. So, uh, yeah, he's got a hit streak going, which is great. They're just not coming with guys on base, unfortunately. So those are some, some of the big things in this game for me. All right, let's go through. Let's talk some other details in this game. Uh, the bottom of the third inning, Arroyo again makes a spectacular play against the Guardians. Arroyo had himself a game, this time tagging out uh, Rosario, sliding across second base. Or not sliding across second base, sprinting across second base. Now, my guess, what happened here, what played out in Ahmed Rosario's head, is he thought this ball was going through, and he was prepared to make the turn and go to third. If this ball gets past Arroyo, he's going to third, no question. But it doesn't get through. And he goes into second base so hard he can't keep a foot on the bag. And he gets tagged out in a very heads-up play by Arroyo. This is in the bottom of the third inning. So another opportunity goes by the wayside for the Guardians in the bottom of the third here. Um, yeah, it, that sucks. Uh, you know, he was the leadoff hitter. He, he'd gotten on... Um, after a Ramirez flyout, this is a Naylor single that he gets tagged out on. And who knows what it set, what it could have set up, but uh, you gotta slide. You've gotta slide in that situation. Um, you could even you could do a pop up slide. That's why they you know that's why they have the pop up slide. You go in feet first. It allows you to hold the bag. But if you need to pop up and keep running, you could do it. You're watching the play in front of you. This isn't like stealing a base where you know where'd the ball go? Did it go out in a center field? You're watching the play develop in front of you. So you could use a pop-up slide here. Some, some bad base running by Ahmed Rosario there. All right, let's talk some defense right now for the Cleveland Guardians. So uh, top of the fifth inning, the highlight you're probably going to see from this game is Oscar Gonzalez. Gonzalez makes an absolutely incredible throw. Um, he's got Christian Arroyo on third, Devers on second, J.D. Martinez hits one into short right field. It's only 73.4 miles per hour off the bat. It's a 29-degree launch angle. It's got an expected batting average of 530, so they do expect this ball to drop in in front of the right fielder pretty often. But Oscar Gonzalez makes an incredible sprinting catch, a shoot-top catch, and then comes up and fires an absolute missile 
to home plate to Austin Hedges to tag out Arroyo trying to get home. And uh, absolutely fantastic stuff. Mandy Bell had Mandy Bell and Sarah Slangs had the um, throw speed in in her article this morning. Um, if you follow Mandy Bell on uh, Twitter, you know that Sarah Slang's information is not far behind it's from Slang's on Sports. So these are the fastest track throws on outfield assists in Cleveland since the start of 2020. Tonight's was the second fastest at 96.7 miles per hour. The only one faster was the one Gonzalez did on May 31st at 99.2 miles per hour. So he's basically throwing Anthony Ghost fastballs from out there in right field and throwing them for strikes. Now, Francona did say like he was trying to overthrow a little bit uh, recently, and it's one of those things where he calmed down and just let the arm do what it does. Don't try to overthrow it. Just put it on the catcher. And, uh, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. It's a lesson that I learned back in Little League when they made me a third baseman. And, I, you know, when you're a young kid, that throw from third base is so intimidating. And you feel like you have to throw it as hard as you can every time you get a ground ball. And I would sail a lot of throws. It wasn't until I realized that I could calm down, slow down, get the ball, and just make the throw. Just let the arm do the work. I don't have to kill it. Uh, that I realized I could start making the throw from third base. Now, that's a very tiny lesson from a little tiny Davey learning to play baseball, but it's the same lesson that Oscar Gonzalez is learning right now in right field. Uh, yeah, it's great that the, the arm itself can throw 96 miles per hour. Just let it do what it does. You don't have to kill it. You don't have to overthrow it. And what's key here, and I believe we talked about this probably when he made that 99.2 mile per hour throw. Uh, remember when he first came up, he threw somebody out at the plate. And we talked about how he got the hip squared, he got the shoulder squared, and he made a good throw. He wasn't off balance. He wasn't falling to his left or anything like that. He wasn't spinning. He got his hips and his shoulders lined up, and that's what you need for a throw. And he does the same thing here. He's not stumbling forward or anything like that. He's not rearing back on his back leg in his crow hop. He's got the hips. As soon as he scoops that ball, he does take a second. The hips lock in, the shoulders lock in, and he makes a good throw. That's awesome to see. That's amazing mechanics from an outfielder charging in like that. They talked about how if he had dove or slid, he might not be able to make the throw. Again, I think in that situation, you can use a pop-up slide in the outfield. Yeah, you lose a bit, lot of momentum, so maybe he doesn't get a rail because it was a pretty close play. But you can still make an accurate throw. If you need to, you could go into a slide, get under the ball, still be able to pop up and make a throw. This time he's able to stay on his feet, though, because it turns out uh, Oscar Gonzalez has some pretty good speed. And so he's able to pop up and make the throw and get Arroyo at the plate. So a great defensive play there. And then we got to talk about Andres Jimenez. I can't believe I made it this far into the podcast and haven't talked about Andres Jimenez yet because he has a great day offensively at the plate. I mean, he's got the solo home run. Him and Straw combine with singles in that second inning uh, to score there. So he scores in the second, scores in the fourth. Uh, so yeah, so Andres Jimenez had a really good game. He was actually three for four at the plate with two runs scored, the RBI on the solo home run. Uh, so yeah, it's a, it's the only extra base hit for the Guardians is Jimenez's home run off Pavetta. So it's a good day for Jimenez, and he also makes a great defensive play. Uh, gets Verdugo when, uh, like we said in the um, 
In the seventh inning, they had put up all those runs. In the eighth inning, they were threatening again. They had the bases loaded against Johan Ramirez. I don't know why Johan Ramirez was given the end of this game. Uh, but Arroyo had singled. Uh, Devers had been hit by a pitch. J.D. Martinez had walked, so the bases were loaded. And Verdugo hits one at 100.6 miles per hour. 10-degree launch angle. Beautiful line drive. 840 expected batting average. But Andres Jimenez diving to his right. Keeps the Guardians in the game with some great defense. Once again, talk about getting someone in the All-Star game. Andres Jimenez has been absolutely, as good as he's been at the plate, he's been better defensively at second base. He's just absolutely fantastic with the leather. Um, leaving his feet like that. It's a huge play from Andres Jimenez. It's a great game from Jimenez. It's a shame that the Guardians offense just could not get the big hit when they needed it. They go two for eight with runners in scoring position. Uh, the oh, the two-out RBI, the only one comes from Straw in that second inning. The Red Sox, by the way, were 0 for 9 on the day with runners in scoring position. They were scoring a lot from first. I told you, that doesn't count as a runner in scoring position. They scored a ton with doubles with a guy on first base or the two-run home run. Like, yeah, it's interesting how the Red Sox got it done on the day. So MVP on the day for me is going to Andres Jimenez. It's it was a big day at the plate. Uh, you know we're not. It doesn't. It doesn't. Uh, I wish it could have had more of an impact on the game. Right? He scores. He he is responsible for those two runs early. Uh, he has a single in this ninth inning rally. So Andres Jimenez was doing everything he could. Uh, you know he's the runner on third base when this game ends. Unfortunately, he's doing everything he can to help the Guardians on this day. So definitely the most valuable player goes to Andres Jimenez. Um, I didn't talk too much about Quantrill. It wasn't a spectacular day. Um, neither him or Pavetta really, really had like impressive CSW numbers or anything like that. Uh, like I said, he only had a Pavetta only had a ten percent whiff rate, so really was not getting the whiffs. Uh, Quantrill only had a 19% whiff rate. So really nothing was popping when it comes to like CSW numbers or anything like that, or even limiting hard hit balls. The average exit velocity off Quantrill was 93.4 and uh, off Pavetta was 90 mile per hour average exit velocity. So both guys got hammered pretty hard. Both guys though controlled the game. They managed the game. They both left in a 2-2 tie. Uh, so it's not a terrible start from Quantrill or Pavetta. Uh, it doesn't go as a quality star for Quantrill because he only lasts five innings. Pavetta did last seven. Um, but yeah, so it, not too impressed with the pitching on the day. This game was much more on the offensive and defensive side of the ball than it was about the pitching. Um, all right, so the last thing I want to talk about is just the Red Sox. Just the Red Sox. It's so much postseason history is tied up with the Red Sox. I did not know this, but in 19, going all the way back to 1948, they finished in a tie and had to play a one-game playoff um, where they beat, uh, yeah, they beat them an 8-3 victory at Fenway, got the 48 Indians into the World Series, and then they had to face the Boston Braves, so two Boston teams, um, and they took the series in six games against them. So, yeah, so there is some history there. Uh, then in the uh, in the 90s, it starts off in that American League Division Series in 95, one of the most iconic moments in Cleveland baseball history 
where they wanted to check Albert Bell's bat after a game-tying home run in the bottom of the 11th inning, and he flexes and points to the bicep. I mean, honest to God, there's not many more iconic moments in those 90s runs than Albert Bell pointing to his bicep against the Boston Red Sox. I pretty didn't they spawn the Chief Wahoo with the with flexing the biceps? I, that poster was at games for like the next 20 years. Um, so yeah, some some huge moments there. Pena's walk off home run then uh, in the bottom of the 13th inning. Um, some big home runs throughout that series in '95. Then you've got uh, in '98, you've got uh, Hargrove getting himself tossed from a game to spark the Indians uh, back into the series. Some iconic moments there. Then you have them beating up on us. Uh, uh, man, Pedro Martinez uh, absolutely destroying us in the '99 uh, series, in the '99 American League Division series. Then you've got the 2007 American League Championship Series where we were up three games to one. We were going to the World Series to face the um, face the Colorado Rockies, but we just could not finish that series. Um, who was it? Josh Beckett, yeah, dominant against us in the in that ALCS series. Uh, so yeah, so there is a long, long history. Um, we even faced them in the uh, 2016 World Series run. Uh, we beat them 3 nothing. We dominated them. I mean, that really, that gave us the momentum rocket into the World Series. I remember that division series. People weren't so sure that the Guardians, at the Indians, sorry, at the time, could get past the Red Sox. And then we sweep them 3 nothing. That was a huge momentum boost. So, yeah, the, uh, the history between the I feel like every time I see the Red Sox, come to town it's like oh it's it's on it's a war now like i don't know why some of them out the red Sox in in baseball and maybe it's because we just have such a sports legacy against the city of boston right uh the celtics are such an easy team to hate uh you know that the Cavs have gone up against many times lebron went up against the big three in boston many times there's something about boston coming to town that just it's different than the yankees right the Yankees, everybody hates. Everybody hates the Yankees. Feels like there is a special hate for Boston. Not hate, but a special rivalry with Boston and Cleveland on the baseball diamond. Uh, these teams really, really battle each other hard. And uh, yeah, so uh, it's going to be a fun weekend. The Guardians in no way were out of this game. Like The Guardians played a really good game. They had their moments offensively. They had their guy up with some huge RBI situations. So we'll see if Ramirez can deliver the RBIs coming up the rest of the weekend. He needs to get back on the RBI train. We we need him to deliver. That's those those would have been huge, huge moments. I mean, iconic Guardians moments if Ramirez could have delivered in that ninth inning. But you know what? It's a game of baseball. It's a tough game. And uh, you come back to the park and you try again the next day. That's all you can do. All right. I think that is literally all my thoughts on this game. Uh, I do want to get to Chris in New Jersey's email. So, Chris, I appreciate the emails. Uh, and everybody else, you're welcome to email in. ClevelandBaseballMornings at gmail.com. I really would. I, th- I would make this show so much more fun to hear your thoughts out there, morning people. Uh, all right. So, he his questions, I'm, Chris, I'm going to be honest with you. Your questions are kind of linked. 
because he says, assuming the Guardians stay in it, right, we're still in first place because the almost the entire American League Central lost yesterday, except for Kansas City. So we're still in first place. He said, assuming we're in first or in contention for the wild card spot, when that trade deadline rolls around, where do you see the Guardians making upgrades to this roster? The team should definitely have the prospect capital to execute a few trades. His second question was between Nolan Jones and Tyler Freeman, both putting it together at AAA Columbus. Who do you think gets the first crack making their MLB debut for the Guardians sometime this summer? I think these questions are more linked than you possibly know, Chris, because I would say a spot to upgrade would be first base. I mean, I would have said before the season corner outfield, but Quan and... uh, Gonzalez have been so good. Frankly, you can move Quan and he can maybe platoon in center with Straw. And then uh, you could f- go find a power hitting left fielder, you know, a Castellanos type. I'm not exactly sure who's going to be available yet at the deadline. So maybe corner outfield, maybe first base. But then you already have a log jam of bodies with Miller and Naylor at first base. And then if Nolan Jones does come up, This is the problem. If you want to make room for Nolan Jones to make his debut this year, corner outfield and first base would be a direct block for Nolan Jones. Not to mention everybody else you got down in AAA knocking on the door. So the hard part when it comes to anybody in the, you know, and the nine players on the field, there's so many guys at AAA knocking on the door, right? There's outfielders down there, more contact hitting outfielders. Will Brennan, uh, Alex Call, uh, there's some guys down there ready. Nolan Jones, if he's ready, is going to be looking at first base and right field. So if you trade for a first baseman, you just jammed up Nolan Jones. And I, I honestly, I'm not sure if the Guardians would do that. They almost were in on the trade for Olsen. Uh, they were. Everybody says they were in on the trade for Olsen at first base. Maybe Nolan Jones goes in that trade. Maybe if we do go get a first baseman, a power-hitting first baseman that could protect Ramirez in the lineup. Uh, Maybe you do trade Nolan Jones for him. We've seen it before where some of the top prospects have been traded in a big trade at the deadline. Remember when we got uh, Baldo Jimenez from Colorado, we gave up our one and two pitching prospects in that trade. Guys that were knocking on the door at AAA had pitched for the Cleveland uh, at some point. It made some spot starts. Uh, so, yeah, so maybe that's the way this all shakes out. And those guys that are knocking on the door are the ones that are involved in the trade. But, yeah, I think Nolan Jones probably gets a shot before Tyler Freeman just because there's so many middle infielders, right? I mean, you already have, you're already trying to get Jimenez at bats. You don't want to take Ahmed Rosario out of the lineup. I mean, Ahmed Rosario, he does strike out in that ninth inning, but he does have a two-hit game. Uh, in this one, he's been hitting the ball really well. As much as I, you know, his defense does struggle at times at shortstop, you can't deny that Ahmed Rosario has really been good offense. I mean, good offensively since coming to Cleveland in that trade. So, yeah, I don't know where. And then Arias is back. Gabriel Arias is going to be back from his rehab assignment. He's going to be back with Triple A. I don't. I don't know if Tyro Freeman is the first middle infielder to get that shot with the Guardians, and then if they can even get a middle infielder playing time right now. So that it's going to be interesting to see. Oh, there's going to be so much. 
there's people that are trying to predict. There's people that ask me on Twitter, can I predict the 2024 starting lineup? No, no one can. No one. There's so many prospect names to shuffle through. There's so many guys that can end up in a trade come this trade deadline. You have no idea the amount of moves that Antonetti and Chernoff are going to make between now and 2024. It's impossible. And you know what? Frankly, it's not fun because there's a there was a lineup that was posted today. And a lineup that's, there was a lineup posted yesterday. And there's going to be a lineup posted today. And those guys are going to go out and play baseball wearing a Cleveland uniform. And that's what I'm worried about. I'm not worried about 2024. I want to win the 2022 World Series. We're still a long shot. Yeah, we're in first place, but I think we can all admit it's still probably a bit of a long shot to think that this team is going to win the World Series, but we're in it. That's what I'm worried about. I want to see I want to see us beat Boston on a Saturday late afternoon game. That's what I'm worried about today. Not what the 2024 starting lineup is going to be. So, uh, yeah, I, I do. I'm so curious to see Nolan Jones and Tyler Freeman. We've been hearing their names for so long. Uh, thank you, Chris. I appreciate the email. Clearly, you sparked a nice, fun conversation here at the end of the podcast. All right, that's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Again, the final from Cleveland. It's the Red Sox 6, the Guardians 3. Let's go out and get these guys. Let's go out and win this series, right? Let's keep winning series. Uh, it's fine we lost Friday night. Let's take these next two. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash clevelandbaseballmornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back in the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Baseball Morning.